Well, welcome this morning to our second of three conversations, coffee conversations uh, with Dr. Ron Cook and Dr. Levi Price. Um, Dr. Cook, Dr. Price, thank you for being back with us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Well, I, I'd like to tell you that I'm honored to be with you and, and Dr. Cook. Uh, I've always had a lot of respect for Dr. Cook. And I actually was on a committee and worked with uh, Dr. Augenschein, who was the provost at Higher Pain for, for a while, and we became pretty close friends. And he told me one time, he said, the best pastor I ever had was Ron Cook. Mm. That's right. That's well, a high compliment. Well, I appreciate that, Levi. I'm going to, uh, I could say all kinds of things about Dr. Price. I mean, the only reason I agreed to do this is that I could sit, sit by Levi and, <laughs> and amen what he said. So anyway. Well, we, I hope nobody really believes that. That's, <laughs> that is the exact truth. So anyway, uh, I, uh, and I'll, I'll probably say more. I mean, it's, it's a privilege to be with you, Matt, and with Levi. Yeah, and I appreciate being involved, Matt. I appreciate it. Well, we're going to talk today about uh, how these guys have dealt with conflict in ministry through the years and tell some stories and then kind of transition a little bit to talk about resiliency in ministry and how resiliency often comes through dealing with conflict and crisis and get some of their thoughts and some of their encouragement on that. And so just to get us going today, um, you know, last time we y'all kind of took turns, I'll let y'all decide again who <laughs> wants to go first and divide that up. But when you think about conflict in your ministry, um, what is a story that comes to mind or a difficult circumstance that really shaped you as a pastor and a leader? I know y'all got some stories. Ron's smiling. We're going to go with Ron. <laughs> oh, I believe I sure need to believe. Well, uh, both of my, you know, there's, there's a difference between difference of opinion uh, and just working things out. But the two big conflicts I faced early in ministry were both power struggles. And that's not, you know, that's not always the case, but it happened to be early in my ministry. Um, one of them was down in Georgia with a, an old Southern style church boss and people in the deep South can tell you those dynamics are, are a bit different. Uh, you know, you can imagine the cultural manifestation of that. Uh, and the second one was with what I would call a small oligarchy in a church that, that was calling all the shots mm. and we didn't see things just the same way. Um, so anyway, but uh, I don't know, you know, I'm always, I always start hesitating going into talking about these kinds of things because, you know, everyone's wired differently and everybody does differently. But, you know, the, uh, the first one, uh, fortunately, this man was extremely powerful, not only in the church, but in the community. Uh, and uh, man, I, you know, I, I almost hesitate to say this. I mean, he, he, engin he was the engineer that had the engineering firm that did Hartsfield Airport in Atlanta. I mean, he, and he was a wonderful, wonderful Christian man, but he, he had been the leader. You know, if any of his, if any of his family ever watched this, they know how much I loved him. Uh, I really did. And we became closer friends down the way. But um, he had a way of, of uh, you know, he had a way of uh, exerting his, his authority. He was really a subterranean pastor. Mm, and yeah. the church had needed that at times. And so uh, not just me, but the church had a difference of opinion at one point. And I was really young and I had to, in a business meeting had to stand up and speak to that. And it wasn't, it was really, really tense. Yeah. So, uh, 
I, you know, I, looking back, I, you know, I may have been too young or too brash, but on the other hand, um, you know, uh, you know, there are some issues that you have to speak to. And that was, so I, I won't go into much detail. That didn't get messy. Yeah. It was difficult for him and for me for a while. Uh, and we had to have some real long talks, uh, following that, um, uh, uh, I could get messy on this if you want to. I don't. <laughs> no, well, we may we may get messier. We may we may wade in <laughs> because I've made boy, I've made I've made some big mistakes uh, dealing with conflict, Matt. And um, I'm not sure that that I didn't in that instance, yeah. to be quite yeah. honest. But uh, I know we're going to talk about dynamics later. Well, that's an excellent point though on conflict that often gets lost. I think particularly when we're starting out of conflict can feel oppositional, but you're still on the same team. And to maintain that closeness, even yeah. in the difficulty, to yeah. may have those tough conversations on the other end of a confrontation in a business meeting or something yeah. is really crucial not to, uh, to allow distance to let those, those conflicts fester. Yeah. Just makes a, a bad situation or a tough situation worse. But yeah. Levi, what about you? What's the circumstance that well, comes I to thought mind? About, I thought about this question and, um, I wanted some some part of the question as I understood it was how this has affected you in uh, your ongoing yeah. ministry, and uh, I was in this this will take a little time. Yeah, that's all right. My Good. second church. Good. Uh, probably should not have gone to that church. That probably was a mistake, and I was too young to understand that. I think I understood it after I got there, but yeah. I was too young to know how to deal with it. And uh, they wanted they wanted a pastor who would. Be a chaplain. They wanted somebody that would preach and uh, visitor sick, do some evangelistic witnesses, but let them do all the leadership in the church. Mm. And uh, I couldn't do that. I just, I, I could, I was just unable to do that. I never wanted to be a boss of a church uh, like some pastors do, mm -hmm. but I wanted to be able to have a say in yeah. what went on. I wanted to be able to, to say from a pastoral point of view, this is what we ought to do. And I truly uh, came to believe that, uh, as you know, I taught leadership. Yeah. And I think you were in my leadership yeah. class, taught leadership. I, 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 I truly came to believe that leadership was a critical part of being mm -hmm. a pastor. Mm -hmm. you know, not just, now, Eugene Peterson said it's great just to preach and visit the sick and let other people take care of it. But, uh, you know, I think, I think we're all different and I think we respond differently to things and I had to realize at that point that I couldn't do it. I almost quit the ministry. I had a mentor that I went to see it. I said, I'm just ready to turn it over. I, I don't, don't want to do this anymore. He told me, he said, go on a, uh, just get away for a while. Mm -hmm. So it just happened to me one time. That's what he said, just get away. So I, I set up somebody to build a pulpit for three weeks and I told him, Deacon Chairman, I was leaving. I didn't know whether I'd come back or not. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm curious. That's, mm. that's exactly How old were you at that point? Well, it was my second church. Yeah. Now, I'm, you know, I, I went to seminary later than yeah, most people. Yeah. So I was probably um, in my 30s, okay. uh, yeah. 30, low 30s. So yeah. you had family, you had responsibilities. Oh, yeah, I had the whole, so it's yeah. a big deal. The thing. So, so I, I took off and uh, spent four weeks, uh, I'd say, Stayed at my folks' house, laying over the couch, staring at the ceiling. Mm. And um, you know, finally, I did go back uh, to that that congregation. Uh, 
Thanks, good mentor. And that's one of the things I'd say. I don't know how many young pastors be listening to it, but you need you need some mentors, not mm -hmm. just somebody that is your mentor in school, but you need yeah. some real mentors to work mm -hmm. with you in your ministry. Mm -hmm. And he and my wife convinced me that I should go back. I came back close to just getting out of the ministry altogether at that particular point. What happened was, I, I'm trying to just to say what happened was I learned about myself. Mm -hmm. And I learned that uh, my concept of, of being a pastor included being involved in the, in the leadership mm -hmm. of the congregation. And I couldn't just sit by and let somebody else make all those decisions without at least having some input yeah. into what was going on. Yeah. And so from then on, I, I, and this was what I'd say, if we've got a young pastor, you got to know who you are. you got to know what's important to you. And so from then on, when I, every time I went to the church, I ironed these things out before I went. Mm. And uh, if I couldn't iron them out, I didn't go. I didn't go for church. And as a matter of fact, when I went to El Paso, I told him no twice over over issues that had to do with leadership. Yeah. That's just exactly what it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a pastor is a pastor as much in leadership as he is in spiritual things. And so I, that, that's who I was. Uh, sometimes I did go to one church where, where I had to iron out some theological problems. Yeah. But I, if I couldn't get them ironed out before I went, I, I just didn't go. I said, no, you need to look for somebody else. Which is not easy. Yeah. I mean, it sounds easy on the well, it's, end, though, I mean, you're looking yeah. at a church with a bigger salary, maybe a bigger <laughs> church, and, you know, yeah. a little bit more prestige and power, whatever. But uh, but uh, this is what I learned about myself. What I, what I would say, uh, again, if any young people are listening to us here, what I would say is you got to know who you are. Mm. And you got to, and, and listen, to some, to some pastors, that's valid. That would be okay for some pastors. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I think there. I think we know, and we know some of our graduates, you know, in, that, in those yeah. kinds of situations. They're willing to do that. They're happy to do that, mm -hmm. and that's okay, uh, as long as they're willing to do that. But I, for me personally, I couldn't do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And so, it really affected me uh, for the future. Uh, churches that I went to, churches that I didn't go to, uh, churches that I was able to work out things and, and with before I went. And, uh, I'm, again, I feel like a pastor, a pastor, uh, in leadership yeah. as well as as well as uh, the spiritual stuff, the, yeah. the preaching sermons, and yeah. mystic people. Sure. I, I'm not afraid to do that. You need to do that. That's yeah. part of it. Yeah. But also leadership, I think, is a part of being a pastor. So I don't have to tell you that you were in my leadership class. That's you right. That's right. Yeah. I took it all. I didn't. I didn't make any mistakes because of that <laughs> class. But, well, I mean, that is. Uh, we get a certain a certain call pretty regularly where you know someone probably came right out of seminary like I did right out of seminary you go into a pastorate or, or key ministry position 26 27 28 and then you hit about 33 34 and you you uh you've hit some ceilings and you're figuring out who you are you know some things you didn't know but it creates sometime a little bit of a a crisis of of dealing with that's that, exactly of, what happened being able that. to say this yeah. is who I am and that that's okay. Here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm, I'm not so good at. Here's where it lines up with this church and here's where it doesn't. And um, it is, that's a, a key thing that all, seems to often come in those early 30 years um, or in your 30s. Not for everybody, but uh, but it's okay to be able to say that what, <laughs> what you're good at and what you're not. I mean, on the other right. side of that and what will not be a fit.
Um, all right, Ron, tell us your messy story. Oh, my. <laughs> I don't. Um, well, I mean, uh, I think anybody who uh, met, I think anybody who knows me for any time knows uh, I had one real uh, tough situation in my ministry. You know, I, I'm always kind of reluctant. I'm not reluctant. Uh, in the sense of anybody knowing, because it, it became such a well-known thing to anybody who knows me. Uh, I was in a, you know, let me try to do this in a nutshell. Sure. Yeah. Because I, uh, I think it's the kind of thing, uh, if you're in a, in a really tough situation, is the kind of thing that you need to spend more time on. And we, we don't have the kind of time today. Levi's better at summing up that kind of thing than I am. Um, uh, I went to a church that, you know, I mentioned this church where there was a small group that, that ran everything. There were a lot of issues involved in that. And I think we need to realize that, uh, you know, there are different types, different levels of conflict uh, and some of it. And now we're talking about something that is a higher level. Yeah. I'm going to talk about a situation that's a higher level of conflict. That is not necessarily the norm. I don't think I, there was a time that I thought maybe it was, but yeah. I don't think that anymore. I don't think. All conflicts are necessarily high level. This one uh, really was a manifestation of a real systemic pathology. Uh, and at, at some point, I thought, you know, we had some real evil involved. I'm mm -hmm. in a, and you can, you know, you can in human systems in any situation. I do personally believe there is an evil one, and uh, and uh, at work, and that quite frankly helps me not to demonize the people. It's mm -hmm. you know, people That's are. They're complicit. They're not evil yeah. uh, necessarily. Matt, uh, this group had run things in this particular church, and a, and it was a small group that kind of rotated for a long time. And you know, some of the decisions really weren't uh, according to what most of the church, not just me, most of the church um, uh, thought was the mission of the church. So you know, you had a you had a subset over against the majority of the church that just had power and yeah. were going to do things their own way. And I had you know through a process been, begun trying to lead the church to address its structure because this this empowerment came to the way things were structured. Yeah, it was handed to it was really kind of a uh, a shadow elder board. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was even in the Constitution. So yeah. we began to address the Constitution, and they determined that they were going to try to fire me. Mm. So that's how that all came about. And uh, I'm not going to talk about the high drama of that today. I know you'd love me to, Matt. I'm not going to do that today. I might someday yeah. if we could set it up the right way, because I really, I'm not no, ashamed yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, the church, uh, as it stood, stood behind me. But it all played out on one day. I'll just say this. It was really dramatic. It, uh, this group decided they were going to make this. They could call a business meeting yeah. at any time. If they were going to call a business meeting wow. on a particular Sunday. And, and we were live on the radio when the moderator said, please come to Deacon's business meeting tonight. And I stepped to the pulpit and I said, okay, are you going to accept the motion and allow a vote to fire me tonight as pastor? And I thought he was going to have a heart attack right there. This was on Sunday this morning. This was on yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah, the people, that, we were on radio and they said it was a bigger day for Ma Bell in that county than Mother's <laughs> Day. They called every, we had people who drove in, you know, we were out there and near the state line, drove in from their uh, cabins in Rio Dos and Red River wow. and all over the people go 300 miles to get back to that meeting <laughs> so and, but you know that you can already tell it's it's easy for me to move into some levity about it and whatever 
but you know, it, it was so unfortunate. And I tell you, Matt, I made mistakes along the way uh, in that. And I'd be happy to talk about that sometime, you know, on another day or maybe with a small group because yeah. I learned so much. Yeah. Uh, and, and let me just say this. I, I, one, I had one thing I learned out of that is whether or not I was really going to love the people and respect them mm -hmm. and be patient with them. Because I'd had, I had exhibited impatience. Uh, you know, early in my ministry, I had kind of a dirty, hairy attitude. Okay, <laughs> go ahead and make my day. You yeah, let's just, let's see what you can get done. You know, uh, when you have congregational polity, you've got the floor of the church, and some of those people might find out it's really different when they get to the floor of the yeah. church. And you know, I I really had to have a change of attitude out of that. I yeah. uh, I was uh, you know I've got a I've got an honorary streak and. You know, I, it's not my nature, but I've just got this Irish temper, this long fuse. And man, if you want to set it off, okay, we can get this thing set <laughs> off if you want to. And um, you know, I'm not, I'm not proud of that, mm. quite frankly. Yeah. I, you can tell by the way I'm talking about it. It's still a struggle where God had to teach me to be more patient, and more loving, and more respectful, and understanding of people, and uh, and just realize in the long haul. There might be better ways to do some of those things. I could have had some conversations that would have helped that situation, yeah. and uh, I didn't. So uh, this isn't a thing about tell us about all the mistakes in your ministry. No, but, yeah, uh, yeah. But I'll I'll just go yeah. ahead and end with that. Yeah. So uh, you know uh, the the big conflicts are an opportunity. You said it, Levi. You learn about yourself and who you are and how you know that's yeah. Levi's bottom line is really one of the big bottom lines is. You learn about yourself and who you are and how you're going to function. And, you know, we've really got to be Christian. I mean, if we're going to say we're Christians, <laughs> then, you know, to love and respect and be patient with one another, the fruit of the Spirit have to be at work. And I, I've struggled with it as Boy, a pastor. I really have. In this COVID time, I find myself thinking about the fruits of the Spirit a lot more mm -hmm. often. Of saying. Mm -hmm. Boy, that wasn't just something that was nice for a youth group to learn, yeah. you know, when I was 16 and memorizing. Yeah. It, it, it. We need to seek their presence and yeah. ask for the spirit to make them evident in all of these circumstances. Anyway, I, you mentioned that I find myself coming yeah. back to that the last year or so. But yeah. well, yeah, I asked for I, the could I, could yeah, go, so, go right ahead, please. Uh, this kind of thing it happens today. And yeah, it doesn't just happen in Baptist churches. Uh, <laughs> my son-in-law is a Methodist pastor. And this exact thing happened, a small, a small group of people that were powerful. Uh, really overwhelmed the desire of the whole congregation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think yeah. it's a Baptist problem. Oh, I think no, it's a yeah. people problem. Yeah. Mm. And that's a good and, word. And it may be a sin problem, you know. Well, that's the truth. And yeah. uh, but this happened to my son in law, and you know my son in law. Yeah. Uh, and to his credit, he stayed in the ministry and kept going, you know. Yeah. But but uh, these things, these things. Uh, still do happen. When I was in my evening uh, program, my field supervisor was a, a guy that named Glenn Payton that I just mm -hmm. uh, really trusted out tremendously. Yeah. And he said this, and I'll say this to you. He said, Levi, don't ever get in a situation where your future in that church depends on a small group of people. Because mm -hmm. it's the people that are out there that you've ministered to and all mm -hmm. that will come to support you mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. be there with you. And I know that's kind of popular today, going to a small group of people to leave the church. Yeah. And that has that has really colored 
my ministry through the years, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, I'd hold out rather be at the, at the mercy. This should be personal. Yeah. I'd hold out rather be at the mercy of the whole congregation yeah. than a small group of people. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good word. So after, and Ron, you touched on this a little bit. Um, after some of those initial or key conflicts, how did, when you knew uh, conflict was coming, difficult decision that was going to be unpopular with at least some in the congregation, how did those early experiences shape your attitude toward conflict? Um, yeah, I think I'd say it that way. Uh, how did you approach those? What were you thinking through as you saw these coming and knew that you might need to deal with them? You mentioned the dirty, hairy attitude of switching <laughs> from that. I mean, we, we grow in these things. Oh, yes, you. you mean. Oh, sorry. Yeah, either one. Well, no, Levi, go ahead. No. I... Uh, well, uh, let me just say this. Uh, in terms of lessons learned, I, th I think we do need to understand conflict. We went through an era in which there were lots of workshops on on conflict. I think Levi uh, was better at teaching that than I am at understanding the levels of conflict and that sort of thing. So things that we need to understand about them. But I uh, but I, I don't think we have done enough in, in one, training people on, on the, emphasizing the spiritual side mm -hmm. of Levi's alluded to it here about, about ourselves and who we are and how we function. Uh, but, but, uh, but also to how to address uh, conflict. And that's a, you know, that's a long conversation, Matt. I, I see some of these workshops announced and I think, man, we arm people to go in and get themselves blown up. If they mm. think they understand each, each church, each dynamic, each person is different. But, uh, but let me say this, I, it may sound simplistic and I've just said it, but when I determined that I was going to love people in every instant and circumstance, it really changed my attitude. Mm. When I determined I was going to love them, now I, I might disrespect them. I might be really upset with them. Uh, I might tell them to their face, okay, you know, you and I are headed for a real collision. I, that's language that I developed after I moved out of my dirty areas. That I, you know, I don't want this to get to that point. Yeah. I think it's really important to tell people, you know, we're going down a road here that's not going to look pretty down here. And there's one way of sharing with them, look, you know, if we get down there, I'm not going to back off. Yeah. I, you need to know that the guy that you're looking at right now if we have to get to that yeah. point, that's not going to happen. So, you know, and that's, I th boy, I want to say that. I want to say that carefully into everybody there because I know, you know, the, uh, I don't mean to say that in a prideful way, but if God leads you to stay and lead a church through a conflict, there's some things you might not be able to avoid. And I think the fight or flight mentality is really wrong. One, to fight, that this is a zero something and you've got to fight it out or you've got to run. That's not it. Yeah, I think we're. I think uh, to love people, to not demonize people, to take the long view. Uh, I, I used a word with Levi the other day. You know, God is the great engineer. There's no one who loves the church like God loves the church. There's no one more faithful to the church than God, and the pastor is. You know, this may sound well. I'm just going to say it. The pastor is is they, if there's one person, not the only person, but if there's one person God's going to use in, in engineering and working through a situation, Levi's, it's the leader. Yeah. And that's, I think that's why Levi's saying leadership is as important as anything else. Yeah. And so to take the long view that in your leadership, God can use you step by step. And, you know, you don't have to take the short view. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, that's an area where I really changed. Yeah. You know, to, and I know pastors, really good pastors who disagree. If Paul Powell were still alive and sitting here, he might disagree with me. You know, <laughs> yeah, Paul, yeah, I, I mean, you know, with yeah. Paul, sometimes it was zero sum. And I say that lovingly. I mean, nobody could oh, operate like Paul true. Powell. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I'm different. I'm wired differently. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I'm rambling and I don't mean to, but. Uh, Anyway, I can't I can forget the question that you asked me, but I was, I was trying to get at it. Well, but in, yeah. in that last topic we had, uh, what you said right at the end is God has put you in a situation where you can make a difference. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. it can be a tremendous yeah. difference. It can yeah. be a difference for years beyond your ministry. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think you said that well in the last yeah. time. And that's, that's where you're going with this. And, and you're correct. You're really right. Yeah. Well, and what both of y'all are saying without saying in some ways what you're both exemplifying for us is you were handling it personally you were handling it in the context of relationship you weren't using a bully pulpit to get what you were handing this pastorally i guess um i think in that fight or flight response we often go straight to thinking about preaching or the pulpit or these public stances um or in today's world social media posts to get to get the right uh the right likes and the right people on our side which again becomes a, a zero-sum game all too often um and even paul powell if he were starting today would have to do it a little differently just because of the the change of even with his same personality and skill set uh, probably with the change of the church and culture and other things um produces that but well let's let's kind of transition to talk about resilience which i know is not exactly the same thing but i do think uh resilience often comes either through or in spite of or because of uh, conflict and crisis. It's often there. Um, there's certainly no developing it without it, um, and it can sometimes prevent it. Um, but what helped you both, you remain resilient over the long haul? Y'all are still doing this today um, when you have earned your retirement, if you wanted it. Uh, what has helped you remain resilient in ministry to keep leading and keep going? Through ministry, Trayvon's turn. Uh, you know, my dad was a pastor, and um, when I told him that I was thinking about being a pastor, which he would have called me to be a pastor a long time before I did, <laughs> you know, before I felt the Lord did. But anyway, um, he said, "You've got to know that God wants you to do this because sometimes that's the only thing that'll keep you mm -hmm. in." It. And every time I went to a church, I would call my dad and say, Dad, I'm thinking about going to this church. What do you think? And he would repeat that. You've got to know God called you to that church because uh, sometimes that's the only thing that will keep you there. And I do think uh, a part of, part of my experience is you and if any of you guys been in my class, you've heard of it because I shared it in class. So I, <laughs> but you don't know it's one time in the church where I had a large group of people get up on a Sunday morning and just walk out. And, uh, uh, boy, I really came to question. Uh, this was, I fought along in my ministry. Yeah. And this really, I really came to question what was going on at that particular time. Uh, and I don't want to be simplistic, but I fell back, uh, Matt, and, and Ron, I fell back on that. If God has called you here, God wants you here. Mm -hmm. 
And I think what I would say in that case, I had listen, I had 200 people get up and walk out on wow. Sunday morning. Mm. And they got up and walked out because they didn't think we were uh, Pentecostal enough. Mm -hmm. There may be a better way mm -hmm. to say that, but mm -hmm. I think everyone understands what I'm wow, saying. Wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't, again, I didn't handle it well from the beginning. I could have cut it off in the beginning if I had, if I'd been wise enough to do it, but I wasn't. And, and uh, you know, I just uh, cried about it and prayed about it. And that, this is the thing I want to say. I just stayed with it. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't exactly say exactly why, but I just stayed with it. And you know, in time, uh, I gained, by staying with it, I gained the respect of the people who were still there, number one. Yeah. I gained the respect of the people who were still there, you know. And uh, in time, God, God really blessed us and made up for that. Yeah. And so a lot of this, a lot of this is about hanging in there, you know. Uh, at that time, somebody gave me a little card, if you'll allow me to say yeah. a little card, and it was a cowboy card, and there was a cliff up here, and there was a saloon, and it was leaning over like this, and this guy was hanging on to the saloon, and hanging on to a cow, and the cow was hanging, had a rope around his neck, and the rope, and this guy was down there, and the rope was hooked up to the horse, and he was hanging on <laughs> by, by, below the horse, and it said, hang in there. And it said, hang in there. And I put that on, I literally put that on the wall. You know, I literally put that on the wall, hang in there. And what I want to say that I hope you can hear is that, uh, is that God responded and the church, we grew. And you've heard this story before, yeah. but we grew back to where we were before and even yeah. beyond that. And and uh, uh, it was just a, it was a God thing in a way, but but uh, you know my part really seriously was to hang in there. And you think about reinventing yourself. Uh, I didn't reinvent myself. Mm -hmm. I I yeah. did my best to carry on. That was yeah. just exactly what I, I mm -hmm. tried to preach the same way I did before. I tried to minister the same way I did yeah. before, and. Uh, and God bless us through that. I think what I would say, if anybody's listening to whom this is a big deal, hang in there. Uh, you know, in the long run, not in the short run, but in the long run, if you'll hang in there, God will bless you for that. Mm. Mm. That's a good word. There's, you know, just listen to Levi. I, uh, there is, there is, uh, Great resilience and a depth and a clarity of calling. I mean, you know, if that call, and it's different than maybe the nudge to go to seminary or the nudge to think you want to do this kind of ministry, make a difference. There's, there's a difference in that than a call. I think the deep call to serve as a pastor among God's people it can be a really deep thing. And what you're just, that's the words, just hearing Levi talk about this, the depth of your calling. Levi and the clarity and the, you know, the, the fact that it was there, that's one thing you knew, you know, you knew that. And boy, I tell you, I, um, the only thing I'd add is that I think, you know, uh, in facing some real pathology and evil, I saw what it was like to be on the other side of God when people get on the other mm. side of God. And, you know, if a, if a pastor is faithful, 
I don't mean perfect, but a pastor is faithful and really walking with God and really, you know, sincerely uh, serving God, uh, you know, you won't get on the wrong side. And there's some confidence in that. Yeah. I, I, maybe it may be more subconscious. When I hear Levi talking, I'm, you know, I've been at those moments too, and it may be more of a subconscious thing, just staying with it. Yeah. But boy, down there, there's a deep confidence. And I do think that God, I think God is tenacious. I mean, look at God's faithfulness through history. Yeah. And there is a, there's an inherent tenacity that comes with the call. Uh, I believe mm -hmm. if somebody will stay with it, it just, you know, it's almost, it's a mystery really, Levi. Oh, to me, it it's still a mystery. Yeah. I, you know, why, why does some seem to have it and some not? I, you know, I wish we could infuse that <laughs> and only God yeah. can do that. I, I keep thinking about this passage. We used when I was a missionary. Uh, we used this passage at the guys that were pastors and they left, you know, it's uh we used to call them hirelings. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. Jesus, common Jesus said, you know, when the wolf comes, the hireling runs away. Mm -hmm. You know, but those who are called will run away. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. Mm -hmm. that's, that's exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, there are hirelings. I mean, that that's not pejorative, right? That there are people that are in this for a season and figure out it's not mm -hmm. for them, and uh, that's that's the difficult part part of this at times is to know when when you need uh, to hang in there um, and persevere and and when this isn't for you and that that's where it gets really messy uh, is the the discernment of that for that's, sure that's a that's a good word man that is a good word yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wonder you know uh, a pastoral life is not a fairy tale it's more like the hero's journey mm. it's not a fairy tale and some people so idealize it and then when they realize the reality of it yeah okay right. it's they realize i really you know i didn't get in this for this yeah and i i don't think anyone should be condemned for realizing that yeah i, yeah. I don't i i think uh we'd all be better off if we know one way or the other yeah you know yeah. if we're called or if we're not yeah yeah so. that is the uh it's kind of scary man I, I, you know when i was teaching pastors you're teaching that class yeah. now when i was teaching pastors uh, you know, something like 18% of the of the seminary students across the United States yeah. were wanting to be senior pastor. Yeah. And that that just used to break my heart. We we worked it up at one point where we were over 35% of our yeah. our grads wanted yeah. to be pastors, which I felt like was yeah. a victory. But uh it's just, you know, a horror story, some like what we shared today, some extent scare scare some people off. And yeah. I think. The key is maybe maybe what we need to be saying to those who are at that particular level is God is faithful. God is faithful somehow. Yeah. You know, uh, even if even if there's no crops in the field, <laughs> even <laughs> if we're going back, you're still making back my people, you're still making my people walk on their hands. Mm. You know? mm. and, yeah. and God is faithful. Uh, and if you if you've got the call, if you really got the call. God really is faithful. Boy, he is. He really is mm. faithful. And there really is a burning in the bones, isn't there? Yes, I mean, if yeah. it's there, you know, I think, Ron, you it's not original to you, I don't think, but you told it to me uh, early on when I was in college thinking about this. That, you know, if there's anything else you think you could do, do probably go do yeah. it, you know? And I, I wondered about that at multiple times because 
I think most pastors, and I'm using pastor not just senior, you know, a little more broadly, just right. Boy, there's just a unique skill set. You could do a lot of things in your life if you can lead a church. You know, if you can lead a a big group, that that is a translatable skill. But um, you see the best of church, and you see the worst of church, and there's something that draws you to that, um, like a moth to flame. You know, and uh, um, boy, that that's a really good word. Um, yeah, there's many things I, I yeah want to drill down on there, but now I'm just thinking about pastoring <laughs> and, and class. But uh, those are good things. So y'all, y'all have given this a little bit, but um, if you had a last word of encouragement to give those in ministry today, both young and old, it's a broad group listening to this. You know, there's like we know these last uh, what are we at now? Twenty months? I don't know where we are. Pandemic? Ten years? Eleven years? It's hard to know. How long this pandemic like has gone on? I'll tell you that. Um, have faced all sorts of different conflicts and challenges, and uh, I think we tell these stories not to discourage, but to say everybody goes. There's not a pastor alive, I don't think, that's been doing it for more than eighteen months, twenty-four months, that hasn't faced significant conflict that has to be worked through and can be worked through and can be lived through. And on the other side of that, often comes a resiliency. Um, that did not, you just didn't know you have um, until you go through that. I don't, y'all may disagree. I don't think there's resiliency without working through significant crisis and conflict. That's the only way that refiner's fire works, I think. Um, but uh, as a last thought, would you have a word of encouragement for those? We've given some good ones on hanging in there and love your, I mean, there's been nuggets all throughout this. Any final words? Well, I, let me say two things really fast. One, to follow up what you just said, you know, the Apostle Paul really, really did encapsulate the uh, uh, how a person becomes resilient in Romans 5, 3 through 5, that struggling or suffering gives way to endurance, mm-hmm. and endurance gives way to character. And God, it, you know, conflict for a pastor really is an occasion for God to grow you mm-hmm. and to make you you know, more resilient. So I had to say that with regard to that. The other thing I would say is that Levi in, in a couple of his stories and what he's just said here has described what I think is the pastor's faithful, steady, determined walk. That has a powerful, he, he said, well, Levi, you said a while ago that I didn't reinvent myself. I preached the same way, I led the same way. I'll tell you what, a, a, long, steady walk of a pastor has a powerful effect on a congregation. I mean, it does something to the character of a congregation to look up and say, I mean, this guy is still standing, or woman, and still walking, and still faithful, and still preaching, and, uh, you know, there's something very powerful about that, you know, on people. I do think people want to love and serve God and to have a faithful pastor. I do think they want that. And once they're convinced and know that that's really happening, uh, it's, you know, it's tremendous. And I'll add one thing. I, Travis Berry, uh, who was pastor for a long time at First Baptist Plano, Texas, the wisest pastor I have ever known, maybe the wisest person I've ever known. Uh, I called him at the height of, of conflict in my church. And I, and I, w- I was aware that I needed to grow. Yeah. And I was aware that I needed to grow up. And I said, Dr. Barry, how do, how do I mature and how do I get better as a pastor? And he said, Ron, you're going to have to stay in the same place long enough to correct all your major mistakes. <laughs> I don't want to hear that at that time. <laughs> but I, the inherent wisdom in that, every pastor 
who is walking through and living through conflict is is help. God is using that to help that church. And I would just encourage people by saying, you know, there's a whole lot more going on than however you're feeling about what you're in or whatever conflict you're going through. God is at work, even, you know, even in the middle of all of that. And I, I, you know, when you're, when you're in the, when you're having a tough time, you don't want to hear something like that, but I think it's true. And I, and I would just add that along with what Levi said, just to hang in there. I, you know, that's a part of just the hanging in there. It's a good word. We have time for me to say something. Of course, yeah. I think it's really important that you don't forget. I, I used to say to my pastor's class, it, as a pastor, you got the lowest load, but listen, you also get the highest highs. And we tend, a lot of us tend to concentrate on the lows and not think about the highs. But I mean, you, you have those days when you've been witnessing to somebody and they come to know Christ and they come forward. Those days when you have invitation and people line up all the way across the front of the, the you know, church. Folks, now I don't know if Ron knows this, but I, I don't even know this. I've got families that literally named their kids Levi. And I don't know another, I don't know another job in the world mm -hmm. that you could have that sort of thing happen. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. Don't forget about the high. Don't forget about those high, you know, because we get so down low, we think it's all there is is low. No, there's those mountaintop experiences, and you got to keep in mind that, that, that God sometimes gives those to you to keep you going. All right, now it's time to give the invitation. I was going to, for was, those who feel a call to ministry, come down front. Levi just yeah. let it to the invitation <laughs> and the benediction right there. There you That's go. That's right. Mm. Uh, Friends, boy, I hope you uh, hear the love uh, the three of us have for you and for the church and for God's call on pastors. Um, uh, hang in there. <laughs> Be encouraged. Uh, God is with you and God is for you. Um, and God is moving in and through you, even on those days when you don't see it or understand it or feel it. It remains true. Um, thank you for joining us today. Ron and Levi, thank you for, for sharing your wisdom today. Um, I've enjoyed this and it's been meaningful to me. Uh, we will be back in two weeks uh, when Ron and Levi will join us and we'll discuss transition and ministry when, uh, when we feel God may be leading us to a new season and how that has looked in their life and discuss that. Uh, next week, next Wednesday, Todd Talks will return uh, on Wednesday at 11. And so we'll look forward to that. Thank you for joining us today. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.